Well, happy Mother's Day. I am so excited to be here with you guys this day. A special happy Mother's Day to my mom who's watching live on Facebook right now from California. I love you. Um, A special hello to everyone joining us online and in the video cafe. We're so happy that you're here with us today. And so over the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been talking about family. Because here at City Church, we believe that family matters. And we've said over and over again, to have a family you love, you have to love the family you have. And so today, I want to talk about how facing our insecurities can help us love the family that we have. So my husband, Wes, and I, we have two very young children. Our son, Finley, is three years old, and our daughter, Parker, is two years old. And being a parent is hard, y'all. Can I get an amen? Anybody? I didn't even have to ask twice. Y'all know. (laughs) You know, some days feel easy. They do. You know, some days feel a little less easy. And then some days, if you're like me, all of your insecurities come rushing out all at once and you feel like a complete failure. Just me? It's cool. All right, just me. Uh, I'll give you guys an example. And so uh, my two-year-old daughter, Parker, she inherited what I call hot mess hair from me. All right, this is mild. This was Friday morning, and it's curly and it's frizzy, but it's still like that baby hair, so you can't even quite like grab onto it yet because it's so wispy. All right, so it's all over the place all the time. And I'm not particularly gifted when it comes to like girly things, when it comes to like fashion and hair and all the things. Like this is just kind of what my hair does. So when it comes to Parker's hair, I am genuinely at a loss. And y'all, I try to fix it. I really, really do. But 90% of the time when I go to pick my daughter up from school, one of her teachers has redone her hair. (laughs) Like, Like I'll get there and it's in these like gorgeous little braids or in these cute little pigtails. And whereas when I dropped her off, she was sporting like the like toddler equivalent of a messy bun. Okay, it was just kind of like all thrown up there. But two weeks ago, it was picture day. And so I was so determined to fix that baby's hair well. Y'all, so I did like all the hair things. I don't even know the right words for them. I just did them. I did them all. And I dropped her off at school, satisfied that I had done right by my daughter for her picture day. And so I show up at the end of the day and I walk up to the little like half door in the entrance of our classroom that they use to like, you know, keep the madness inside. And I walk up to the door and I start to scan the room for my little curly headed mess, right? And so I'm scanning the room, looking at all the kids. And as soon as I find my daughter, I realize that her hair has been redone. All right, y'all are laughing. I was not. And so suddenly something in me snapped. And y'all, I started to like ball right in the middle of this preschool's hallway. And my daughter's poor like afternoon teacher like didn't know how to handle this at all. Like this hot mess of a mom out in the hallway. She like looked from like me to like the other teacher and back like, like, like no idea what to do. And so I reassured her. I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine. She probably believed me, I'm fine. And I grabbed Parker's hand and we just hightailed it out of there. And on the ride home, as I'm driving home, you know, still ugly crying, all I could think was, y'all, fixing a little girl's hair is so basic to being a mom. If I can't handle that, 
what else can't I handle? Like, y'all, what if I'm never able to help her with her hair? What if she gets older and other kids start to make fun of her? And it affects her self-esteem so much that she never recovers, right? And, and all she can think is, if only my mom knew how to fix my hair. And then, of course, she's going to get older. She's going to become a teenager, and she's not going to trust me because I've completely ruined her life. And, oh, and she's not going to come to me for advice, and she's going to start making terrible decisions. And then she's going to become a drifter who won't even come home for Thanksgiving, all because I didn't know how to fix her hair. If you guys think I'm overreacting, you and my husband are on the same page. <laughs> but as I'm sure many of you have realized, my emotional outburst, it had very little to do with my daughter's hair. And it had so much to do with my insecurities as a mom. Because if I get really honest, I have a great deal of insecurities when it comes to being a parent. Y'all, I love my kids so much, and I just want what's best for them. But sometimes when my insecurities get the best of me, I struggle to believe that I'm what's best for them. When I look at them and I think about what they need, and then I look at myself, I think, it's not me. This, this, these insecurities, I, you know, we all have insecurities. This didn't just start when I was a mom. It just got more specific when I became a mom. Because believing that I'm not enough, this is something that I have struggled with for the majority of my life. I've always struggled with this. And very often, I allow my anxieties about this to tell me that I'm not enough, that I'm going to fail, before I've even tried. And if I don't keep myself in check, I spend all of my time looking for confirmation that I am, in fact, not enough because I know me. I've watched me fail before. I'm messy, and I've done some really messed up things. It's like I have all of this evidence that I use to prove to myself that I'm not enough. And so when something difficult or uncomfortable is in front of me, my go-to thought is, there has to be someone better for this. It's not me. You know, I think we all have insecurities. You know, maybe you're like me and you felt ill-equipped as a parent. You know, I want what's best for my kids and that's not me. Maybe you've started like a new job and you've thought that you weren't the right person. Like certainly there's someone better for this. It's not me. You thought that you were never going to be able to break free from that addiction, right? I'm not strong enough. It's not me. You thought that you couldn't make a difference. You looked at the problems in the world, and you were like, man, I don't have the skills or the resources. I'm not the right person. It's not me. Maybe you thought that your voice didn't matter. It's not me. Who cares what I have to say? You've looked at your own history, or maybe even your family's history, and used it as evidence to say, no way. I can't do anything about that. I know me. It couldn't possibly, I couldn't do that. It's not me. When we look around at the challenges and the uncomfortable circumstances in front of us, I think it's easy to look at them and say, it's not me. But what if it is? 
Today, I want us to look at, at, look at a story about a woman in the Bible named Sarah. And a couple of weeks ago, we learned a little bit about Sarah's family and kind of the messed up things that had happened. But today, I want us to focus specifically on Sarah because I think that we have something so important to learn from her. And so Sarah was married to a man named Abraham. And God made a promise to Abraham. He told Abraham that he, first of all, was gonna have a son and that his descendants would outnumber the stars in the sky. All right, so that's pretty cool. But here's the kicker. Abraham was in his mid-80s when God made him this promise. And Sarah was in her mid-70s. And they had never been able to have a child. And so in that day and age, Sarah wouldn't have just casually wanted children. She would have seen it as her job to give her husband children, specifically a male heir. And she had never been able to do that. They had never been able to have a child. She had never been able to do the thing that she likely believed to be her perfect purpose. And I'm really confident that this would have been a very sensitive topic for Sarah just like it is for anyone who struggles with infertility. And now, God is making her husband a promise that he's going to have a son. Right? This should be great news for Sarah. But Sarah has 70 years of evidence that she can't do that. And so instead of rejoicing at the news, Sarah throws her hands up and says, It's not me. I can't do that. So she offers her servant Hagar to her husband so that he can have a son. And Hagar and Abraham do, in fact, have a son. And if we read Sarah's story in full, we watch her, out of her pain, become bitter, resentful, and angry. And like many of us know, hurt people hurt people. Because when we don't face our insecurities, we hurt the people around us. And that's exactly what Sarah does. She does some super messed up things to Hagar. But even, even in the midst of her messiness, in the middle of her insecurities, in the depths of her pain, and the pain that she is causing other people, God wasn't done with Sarah. And so our story continues in Genesis 18. And so about 15 years have passed. And so Abraham is about 100 years old now, and Sarah is about 90 years old. And uh, Abraham and Hagar's son Ishmael, he's a teenager at this point. And so God comes to visit Abraham. And what God tells him is he says, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Now, like every good wife, Sarah's inside the tent, eavesdropping on this conversation right now. And so Sarah laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my husband is so old? Like y'all, I don't think this was a laugh so much as it was a scoff. Like, like, all right, we've already been over this. Like, I can't do this. I'm an old lady. And have you seen this old man? It's not me. But then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Y'all, Sarah doesn't believe it. She laughs when she hears it. She now has 90 years of evidence that this isn't going to happen for her. Right? Sure, Abraham's going to have descendants, but Sarah is confident that she isn't. Sarah had spent so much time saying, it's not me, that she was stuck, boxed in by her own insecurities. But here's the really cool thing about God. God is incredible about taking the things that we're most insecure about and reframing them. Y'all, when I was a kid, I got told I talked too much five times a day, even on Sunday. And half of the stories from my childhood are either about how I talked too much or I talked too fast. I do talk a little fast, I'm with you. But, and so as I, as I got older, this insecurity started to build and I spent years ag- agonizing about this, trying to shut myself up, wondering what the heck was wrong with me. And then somewhere in my adult life, God grabbed onto that insecurity and he reframed it and was like, dude, I created you to talk. I designed you with something to say. He took one of my greatest insecurities and he reframed it. And that's exactly what God did for Sarah. He looks at her and he goes, I know you think it's not you, but I'm telling you that it is. He takes her insecurity and he reframes it. And Sarah makes the critical shift from it's not me to it might be. And then, against all odds, God kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. For years, 90 years, she had said, it's not me. She had believed her insecurities. She had used her past history to prove her point that it wasn't her, but God had other plans. Y'all, it's all too easy to throw our hands up and say, it's not me. But what if it is? I think there are some folks in here who gave up on themselves a long time ago, who looked at their circumstances and decided that they were final, who let their insecurities take the wheel, who thought that the problems that they saw in the world or in their families or in their homes were somebody else's problem. So you've thrown your hands up and said, it's not me. Somebody else can do it better. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. Who cares what I have to say? It's not me. But what if against all odds, against all of the evidence that you think is stacked against you, what if it is you? There's only one way to find out. You have to stop believing the lie that it's not you. You have to stop saying it. You have to stop looking around the world for confirmation that you're not enough. Guys, when we read through scripture, we see over and over and over again where God takes messy and messed up people just like you and just like me and does incredible things through them. People who thought that they were ill-equipped, people who thought that they had made too many mistakes, people who thought all of the evidence was stacked against them. People with all kinds of insecurities. 
All right, and that's when God pretty much says, hold my staff and watch this. Because there is nothing so big. There is nothing so far gone. There is nothing so hopeless that God can't work in and through it. But you have to stop saying it's not me. And you have to start believing that it might be. You guys, as incredible as Sarah's story is, she had a part to play in it. And you have a part to play in your story too. She had to start, stop saying it's not me. And she had to start considering that it might be. Okay, and real talk real quick, this isn't an immaculate conception story. All right, there is a very specific thing you have to do to get pregnant and to have a baby. Y'all, and Sarah and Abraham were really old. <laughs> Did somebody say amen? <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for that. At some point, Sarah and Abraham had to stop believing the lie that it's not me and start to believe that it might be. And then they had to step on, out in faith and try to have a baby. All right, that's us today. We have to stop believing the lie that it's not me and start believing that it might be. And then we may have to step out and do something about it. Because y'all, there are some folks in here who are letting their insecurities and in past history you're letting those things tell you that you can't make a difference, but you might. There's someone in here who's estranged from a family member, but you believe that you've messed up too much or that you've caused too much pain. Like, I, I can't fix this. I can't do anything about this. It's not me. It might be. Man, you may need to make a call today. There's someone, there's, there's some men in here who have nephews and neighbors who are growing up without strong men in their life. All right, no more, it's not me because it might be. There are people in here right now, there's someone in here right now who has aging relatives, guys that just need help, they need a, they need a hand and they're just yearning for someone to come spend time with them and to, and to love them. No more, it's not me. There are some folks in here who keep seeing opportunities to make a difference in our community, to become a child advocate or a big brother or big sister or start a micro drive with FIDSA or one of a hundred other things. But you've convinced yourself that there's someone out there who's more qualified. You've convinced yourself that there's someone out there that can do it better. Dude, you don't know that. It's time to stop saying it's not me because it might be and it's time to do something about it. There's someone in here right now, yeah. There's someone in here right now who has that desire to go back to school or to go get more training to, to better the lives of, of them or their families. But you're letting those past failures or your current situation tell you that you can't succeed. Stop believing the lie that it's not you. It might be. There's someone in here. There's someone in here who's let their past history of infertility tell them that they're not good enough. And I'm here to tell you that that's a lie. You are a masterpiece created in the image of God and your value has everything to do with who he created you to be and nothing else. You have to stop believing the lie that you're not enough. 
And then if God, if, that, if you still feel like it's your purpose to be a parent, it's, stopped, it's time to stop believing the lie that it's not me. Start to believe that it might be and then do something about it. Today, it may be time to go and make that uncomfortable call to that doctor that you've been avoiding. All right, it might be time to go and start the paperwork for that foster or for that adoption process. Shoot, you might already have the paperwork. It may be time just to go and to send it in. All right, let me tell you guys, motherhood certainly didn't look the way that Sarah expected it either. It to either, and that's okay. It may not look like the way you planned, but the only way to stop letting our insecurities run our lives is to stop saying it's not me and to consider that it might be. We have to stop believing that lie. We have to step out and say it might be and then step out in faith and do something about it. Because if it's, if it's not you, then who? Y'all imagine the difference it would make if the thousands of people who went to City Church, they stopped saying it's not me and started believing that it might be. What would it look like in our homes and in our schools and in our workplaces and in our communities? Y'all, there is a U-shaped hole in the world, a hole that only you can fill because there are so many things that only you can do. It's your purpose and you can't fulfill it until you stop saying it's not me and start believing that it might be. All right, moms. It's Mother's Day. So I wanna talk specifically to you guys. I know the insecurities that come with being a mom. I know them really well. And the easy thing to do is to throw my hands up and go, it's not me, it feels safe. Because showing up and saying it might be, y'all, it's scary. It means I'm gonna have to put myself out there and be vulnerable and to try and to maybe even fail. But do you know who wins? When I show up and say it's me, my kids do. And when you stop believing the lie that it's not you and you show up and you say it's me and you let yourself be vulnerable and you put yourself out there and you try, you know who wins? Your kids win. Because in a world that is full of conditions and rejections, who is going to show your kids what unconditional love looks like? It's you. In a world that, that just wants to devalue us and to tear us down, who is going to teach our kids what they're worth? It's you. When our kids are getting bullied or they're struggling in school, who's gonna advocate for them and show them that they're not in this alone? It's you. When we see these trends of addiction and abuse in our homes and in our families, who is going to do the hard work of breaking those chains in Jesus' name? It's you. Who's going to continue to guide the decisions of our adult children? You are. Who's going to pray for our kids? You are. When our kids are about to walk out of the house with a big smudge on their face, who's gonna lick their finger and wipe it off? 
It's you. Who is going to establish a legacy of significance and purpose in our homes? It's you. I know you have insecurities. I do too. But if we want them to win, we have to show up. So today, let's move together from it's not me to it might be. And let's do something about it. Will you guys pray with me? God, right now I thank you for the moms that are here, for the moms that are represented, God, for the moms watching online. God, I pray a special blessing for each and every one of these moms. God, right today, I pray that you, would just, that you would just fill us, God, and just show us, God, how it is us that we can make a difference in the lives of our kids, in our homes, and in our communities. God, right now, I pray a special blessing over everyone who has children in their lives, moms, dads, grandparents, bus drivers. I mean, like, who, like if you have children in your life, there is no room for it's not me. God, I pray that you would just give each and every one of us that have children in our lives the strength to step out and say, it is me. God, right now, I pray for, for all of us, God, that you would show us the specific area of our life where we need to stop saying that it's not me. God, we love you. It's in your name that we pray, amen. Well, y'all, right now we have, we have an incredible opportunity through Feed SA to make a difference in our community, guys. There are 200,000 kids that, that, that are gonna go without meals this summer, and we have an opportunity. This is not a time to say it's not me. It is you. Go out to the Center Pavilion right now. Find out how you can be a part of Feed SA. On your way out, you're gonna get this card right here that says it might be. Take this, tape it up somewhere, use it as a reminder to stop saying it's not me because it might be. And if you're in need of prayer today, our prayer counselors will be up front. Do not leave today if you are in need of prayer. Thank you guys for being here. Happy Mother's Day. We'll see you next week.